back with you guys. Love being in this place where people just are excited about their faith and celebrating the Lord. It's, it is good. Um, uh, interesting um, series we're kind of in because uh, we're doing a series that uh, that I haven't been here for the weeks all in a row. So there's about five weeks, but it's here on week one and then on week three and then then again today. But uh, something that's been just turning in my heart for the last number of uh, months actually is this thought of living life on mission. And so uh, my friend Derek Wilhelmus was here last week and Blaine, uh, they were sharing about uh, the, the, the idea of discipleship and I'm grateful that they were able to talk about that because it's part of the mission. And so this morning I just really want to talk about that word disciple. So uh, I'm glad that you're here to kind of sow some word in your heart. If you're listening online, you decide to take the long weekend off, no worries. We uh, are glad that you uh, are tuning in and listening as well. Uh, the interesting thing about the word disciple it's not a word we use uh, very often. Last week, you would have learned that disciple is simply to be a follower of someone else's teaching or a follower of someone else, uh, like a student or an apprentice. And it's both a noun and a verb. It's we are called to be disciples, to be, uh, that's, that's who we are. But Jesus also called us to disciple others. So it's something that we are, but it's also something that he's called us to do. And to become a disciple is as simple as obeying his call when Jesus says, hey, come follow me. It's as simple as obeying that call and then to, to do what he said, which was disciple others. So uh, this morning, um, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't, as, when you read the Bible and you read about Jesus and you just see the stories and, and you see how he always had the right answer uh, at the right time, right? The people would try and trick him with these really, you know, convoluted questions and they've got a trap set for him. And all of a sudden he comes out with this answer that just flips it on the other guys. And you're like, man, how did he know? You know, or he's in, the, he's in this place where he knows exactly what miracle is going to affect the masses. Or when the crowds are angry at him and are going to try and toss him off a cliff, all of a sudden he finds exactly the way to, to disappear. But always having the, the right words and always doing the right thing at the right time. And, and I read these stories and I look sometimes and I'm like, man, I am so not like Jesus sometimes. Anybody else feel like that? No? Daryl, you want to... <laughs> Yeah, you have that though, right? It's like, man, I'm just, I just am not like Jesus a lot of times in my life. And then as I read the stories, I always realize there's some other characters in the stories, and it's these guys we call the disciples. And I look at them, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, man, I am a lot like those guys. I can see myself in, in so many of their situations. Like, yeah, that is how I feel. And a lot of times when we learn about following Christ or being a disciple, we often look to Jesus, and, and we see um, who he desires us to be like, to be more like him. Uh, and then we think, you know, sometimes when you look at it, you're like, man, I have so far to go. But then as we study, we, we rarely look at the disciples and say, wow, what was it like to actually be a disciple back then? And what can we learn from those disciples? We see that Jesus is like perfection personified, and yet he was surrounded by guys who didn't have it all together. And so uh, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. It's a little bit strange for me this morning and last night because this is a message. Sometimes it happens every once in a while where I feel like, I know I need to talk about this, but I don't know why. It's not like I've got this, this is the reason why I'm doing this. So I shared that with the band last night, and Lily was like, oh, good, then it's going to be a good one. I'm like, as if all the other ones are terrible, right? You know, it's like only if I have no idea what's going on, then it's going to be a, a, a good one. And uh, I was like, either that or it's going to bomb, and I totally missed it, but we'll just see what happens. And if it's terrible, it just won't end up online. So uh, this, mor <laughs> this morning, though, um, as I was thinking about that, there were some th thoughts I just felt I needed to share. And so I hope that for those of you who are here, here with hearts open that you're going to 
hear what it is that the Lord wants to say to you this morning. So there's this little test. It's cheesy. I wouldn't tell you to take it, but I, I, I don't know. I was like fell for the thing as I was looking through um, studying on discipleship. There's this little test said, which one of the 12 disciples are you most like? And I'm like, I'm going to do it. You know, it's like 13 little questions. You pick left or right. It's like really simple. And so I'm like clicking. I'm like, man, as, as I go through, I'm like, I, I, I can see where this is going. Like, I'm going to be John. I just know it. You know, the disciple that Jesus loves. I know this is the one I'm going to get. You know, I'm like, I'm clicking through and I'm thinking, uh, this is, you know, then at the end, the picture pops up of who I'm most like. And I, and I look at it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, can you guess who I was most like? I I hesitate to ask that because Judas was the answer last night as well. <laughs> what do you people think of me, you know? Is it my Dutch hooked nose or what? I, I, don't, I don't know, but it's not Judas. It was Peter. I mean, I thought Peter was pretty bad, you know, to be the one who's got always gets it wrong. And, and then I thought, you know, actually Peter was pretty amazing. You know, I think about Peter's the disciple that on the... Uh, right on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, just preaches this awesome message and 3,000 people come to know the Lord. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll be like that, Peter. That's, that's pretty good. And, and then as I read through Acts where he just confronts the religious leaders of his day and that, that, same, that same wit and that same wisdom of Jesus and, and, and he leads the church uh, in greatness and, and he's got these amazing stories about his life. I'm like, yeah. Sure, I'm like Peter, but that's not really the Peter that comes to mind when I think about my comparisons to, to Peter. I think more of that guy who's always sticking his foot in his mouth, you know, the one to quickly say something and then like, oh, darn, I wish I hadn't. Uh, and so it, I didn't actually have to think too far back to r- recognize one of those moments. It was on the fishing trip this week. At the end of the fishing trip, um, yes, for those who were on the trip, you know where this is going. But, but uh, uh, we had, had to wake up extra early because we wanted to get home extra early. And so if you know me, you know that I don't like extra early at all. I don't, I don't do extra early. I don't do it well. And so uh, I woke up that morning. I was like, oh, you know, I can barely see. Oh, it's dark. To me, it's dark. Maybe my eyes weren't open yet, but packing in the dark. And, and then as the whole site is cleaned up, we're about to leave, and one young guy on the trip decides it's a good time to cut down a tree. And so uh, I'm like, Shh, yes, they're pointing at Derek in the back. Yes, yeah, so this is this decision to cut down a tree. And so uh, as we're standing there um, uh, watching and waiting, we're all like, well, I'm glad we got up extra early for this, you know. We could be on our way home, but now we're going to watch someone cut a tree. And it took a little longer than I thought it should. And so as he was cutting the tree, the saw was binding. And as I'm standing on the ground, he's up in the tree, like bravely cutting this thing down. But I'm on the ground looking. I'm like, you know what? I know exactly what's going wrong. And so my first mistake is I decided to offer advice, which I shouldn't have done because I've only cut down one tree in my whole life. It was at that site, but I had a chainsaw. It was a little different than a guy with a bow saw up in the top of a tree. And so as I saw, I'm like, I, I know what's going wrong here. The way they're pulling the rope and the way he's cutting with the saw, he just has to move the ladder. And so I offer my advice. And, and so they move the ladder, but they move it like two times too far. And I'm trying to explain, no, I meant like here. And, and they come down, they're tying off the ladder. And it's taking longer and longer. And finally, I'm just like, oh, I just give up. And I walk Talk to the guy who's holding the rope, and as I walk there, I mutter under my breath at full volume, it's cutting a tree. It's not rocket science, right? And unfortunately, everyone on the campsite heard that statement, and there was some 
choice word spoken after that. And it was like this, like this moment of like, oh, I was super grumpy and super upset. And then I realized, you know what? I, I'm actually the one who, uh, who is, I'm hoping like there, there's going to be some apologies to me or something. But then I realized I'm, I'm the one who shouldn't have said that. You know, and so as, as we um, come down, Derek and I go to the wood pile and uh, there was no fisticuffs, but he graciously forgave me that for those, those words just sort of spoken out to make him, you know, look a little foolish up there or whatever. But it was me that ends up looking foolish. And, and I needed that forgiveness. And, you know, he graciously forgave me. I was like, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's over. It's fine. We're good. And so I thought, perfect. It's over. And then on the way home, we're at a restaurant. And all of a sudden, one of the guys hands me a little packet of jam. He says, hey, can you open this for me? It's not rocket science. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> then later I get a text of a picture of Derek in the tree with a hashtag, not rocket science. I'm like, oh, man. I, I figured, I, let me just get it, come clean before I get anywhere else where this comes back at me. And so I almost was tempted to name this not rocket science. But when I realized that, you know, there's times in my life where I feel like Peter, that thing that we're just saying the wrong thing and wishing I could be like someone else. I even told Jesse on the way home, I, was, I, I prayed there at the camp, say, dear Lord, please make me more like Jesse. He's just happy, smiley, easygoing, and everyone loves him. Please, you know, I just want to be able to go on a fishing trip, not come home and have people leave the church or split the church or, you know, just like, why? Why can't I be? And I, and, and I wonder if Peter may have felt the same way. And I thought, you know, what can I learn from Peter and the disciples about being a disciple? And, and here's a few things I just want to share with you this morning. Number one, they actually followed Jesus. The disciples actually followed Jesus. Discipleship affected every every day of their life. It affected who they talked to. It affected how they made decisions. It was this idea of, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, he's right here. We can see what Jesus did. They actually followed him. Do you realize it's impossible to follow someone and not end up looking more like them? Francis Chan said that in his little devotional on discipleship. He said, it's impossible for someone to follow another person and not end up looking like them. I thought, Francis, you're a genius. I'm like, that guy is just so smart. Then I realized he found it in the Bible, and it's actually in Luke chapter 6, because, of course, Jesus said it. And he says this. He says, students, and actually, if you, if you look up the, you know, the word for student, my kids, just side note, in homeschool, they study Latin because uh, it's a root language or whatever. But the teacher in the Latin class always calls them discipules. And I'm like, what the heck is discipules? Why don't you just call them students, right? But it, it is that idea of student, and it's the same word for disciple. It's this person who studies something or someone to become like them. And Jesus said to them, students or disciples, which he's called us to be, they're not greater than their teacher, but the student who's fully trained will become like the teacher. And I realize that in our North American Canadian culture, we can be tempted to believe that, that, uh, that a person can be a Christian, Christian without being like Christ, with it not affecting any other area of our life other than what we call ourselves. There's lots of people in our, in our culture that would refer to themselves as Christians simply because of where they go uh, on, uh, for an hour on a Sunday morning. But it's like a being a follower that doesn't actually follow. Jesus didn't say to the 12 disciples, hey, guys, come and uh, I just want you to associate my name with yours. You know, just, just I want you to wear the name Christian, but you don't have to change anything else. He said, no, there's, there's something more than that. It was um, this idea of not just taking on his name, but taking on everything that he is. And so it was this thought of being, Christ, uh, be, being disciples rather than just being like Christian. Jesus' um, command wasn't go into all the world and preach the gospel. See how many people you can get to call themselves Christians. It was actually something, something different. And in, in Canada, we kind of have like the Canadian Covert Christianity Club, where people don't know that, that anyone's a Christian, uh, or, or the, that there's times in, in our lives where you find out. Um, I, I remember one person telling me they came to, they, they had been in a store, 
And someone else from our church was there. And as they were in the store talking to the cashier, after the one person had left, the cashier said to the other person, how do you know that guy? And he's like, oh, he goes to my church. And the cashier's response was like, he's a Christian? Uh, he goes to church? And, and the guy was kind of a little shocked. He's like, I would have had no idea based on the way that guy uh, acts that that guy was a, a, a Christian. And, you know, it's kind of like when it happens like that, that's, you know, kind of bad. But it's worse when you're the, the other guy, right? When it's like nobody can tell based on your life that you're a Christ follower, that they never would have guessed. You know, we've got people that call themselves Christians that just, we, and we assume that means Jesus follower. It doesn't. Jesus called us to actually follow him as his disciples. And we're going to look a little bit more at that today. Uh, after the VBS service last week, um, was it last week? No, two weeks ago. So I was sharing there and, and uh, just sharing about how, how there's a gap between God and us. It's called sin. And that God sent his son and he's the only way that people can come to him. That's the way that, that Jesus sent. Afterwards, one of the pastors came up to me and said, you know, it was pretty good this morning, but I disagree with your theology. I don't believe that Jesus is the only way. And I'm like, please send all your people to our church so they're not deceived for one more week. Because what did Jesus say? I'm the only way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. And sometimes we think, oh, well, they're a Christian. Oh, they're a pastor. I, I hear, you know, uh, talking with somebody the other day, and they said, you know, they found somebody to date on Christian Mingle. Can I just tell you that not everybody on Christian Mingle is Christian? It's one of the best pickup lines in the world, you know? Like the pickup lines, um, well, never mind. I shouldn't know any of those anymore. Uh, but for instance... <laughs> It's just the ones they always ask me, you know. No, uh, it's, where are we going? No, the, the, you know, the greatest pickup line for, for people can be this. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And, and it puts in our heads, oh, they must be like Jesus. And he's like, listen, I, that, that word uh, doesn't mean in our culture what it should. It's a simple thing of being a follower. Matthew chapter 28, here's what Jesus did say. To his followers, he said to his disciples, teach these new disciples to obey. It's a word we didn't really notice last time we looked at this. Teach his new disciples to obey all the commands. Don't not teach them to call themselves Christian. Obey the commands that I've given you, including this command to be a disciple and make a disciple. And be sure of this, he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul wrote to the Romans and explained to new disciples the same thing. He said, this, we've been given the chance to share good news with you so that you would believe it, so you would trust it, and that you would obey him and bring glory to his name. And sometimes I look at that and I think, man, I've got a long way to go. Man, when I look at my life, sometimes I realize as a, as a follower of Jesus, there's a lot of areas that I just, I haven't gotten there yet. And I look at the Bible, I see some of the, sometimes when we look at some of the, the rock stars of the Bible, we think, man, those guys had it together. And yet, uh, we're going to learn something this morning. Matthew, uh, if you turn your Bible to Matthew or slide scroll there, uh, I challenge you, encourage you to follow along with us. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew was an eyewitness of Jesus. So what does that mean? He was there. He saw what was happening and he wrote it down so that others could read it and believe. But I love about Matthew and the others is they don't paint each other or themselves with a perfect brush. It's like if I want to write the story, uh, I could write, you know, just, just my, my favorite details. And you know what? We Anybody who is on social media is tempted to do just that. We just put up on our Facebook page, you know, the, the, the person we want 
the world to see. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, but we, we just portray, this is, this, these are my best qualities. You know, when we're, having, when we're having steak dinner, that's going on there. But when we're having mac and cheese and wieners, that's not going on there, right? When you wake up, uh, when you, that one day where you took 50 selfies and one turned out, that's the one that goes up, not when you woke up and you got a rat's nest on one side, a cowlick on the other, and drool on your face, croutons in your eyes. You don't take a picture of that and be like, hey, this is who I am. We we don't, right? So that's the same, the same thought is that Matthew doesn't paint the, the picture of the disciples as being, oh, these guys all had it all together. Verse, um, chapter 14, verse 24, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 people with one kid's lunch. That's a pretty amazing miracle. And so they're coming off this high of, of this event, and Jesus goes down to the water with them, and he says, get in the boat and go to the other side. And it actually says he insists, because they're like, ah, we just want to hang out here. This was fun. He's like, no, get in the boat and go to the other side. And so they hop in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus says, I'm going to say goodbye to the people. And then he goes off to pray by himself. And so it says this in verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. And some of you may need to just hear those words this morning. The disciples were in trouble. They are far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. For some this morning, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, you believe that God is with you when you're in the times of great provision and miracles. When you've experienced great things happening where there's been a cure for, for, for cancer or you've heard a great report or something awesome has happened, you got a raise or you're like, man, I believe that God is there. And it's easy to follow him in that moment. But can I just challenge you that he hasn't forgotten you when you find yourself in a great storm? And they call it a great storm, heavy waves and strong winds. They were used to storms, but this one was something else. And for some, they say, they think, you know, as a disciple, oh, as a follower of Jesus, it's going to be easy. It's not. And he says, you know, I don't want you to, I don't want you to quit. The, the journey won't be easy, but don't, don't give up. The disciples could have been in that boat just rolling like crazy and be like, blaming Jesus for the, for the storm they find themselves in. And I see that happen many times in our culture today. God, why are you doing this to me? Jesus is the one who made us get in the boat. You know, we're going through this terrible storm. It's his fault, and he's not even here. And for some of you this morning, you're going through a storm so big, you feel like he's not even there. Can I tell you? He's still there. Don't give up. Don't toss aside your faith in Christ simply because you're facing a storm. Verse 25, it says about 3 o'clock in the morning. There's nothing worse than 6 o'clock in the morning except 3 o'clock in the morning. And so here they are, the disciples in the boat, and Jesus comes towards them. Why? Because he was still concerned about them. He knew. And so there, he comes to them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And I want you to just notice, I didn't put it in yellow, but notice how many times you see the word there, they, and them. He says, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them, to the, all of them, all of those um, 12 in that boat at once. And he said to them, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here. You know, there's lots of they's and there's lots of them's and it speaks of kind of the crowd that when Jesus spoke to them, he said the same words to all of them. And, and throughout scripture, we see many, many times where he says these words, be courageous because I'm with you. I don't care what you're facing, be courageous because I am with you. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. And so Jesus is like, all right, Peter, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water. See, Jesus spoke to the them, but there was one individual who said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. You say be courageous, you say you're with me, then I'm going to step out and trust you in that. And this morning, as I speak to this group, I'm saying the same words to a crowd. He's looking for the individual in the crowd. 
That can be all of them, but it's that individual response to say, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. How scary do you think it was for Peter, a fisherman who understood storms, was around water all the day, probably saw friends drown in, that, in, in storms to step out of his boat? How scary do you think that was for him? It was probably pretty scary as you hear the words screaming in his own heads that, you know what, this is not the only storm I've ever been in. He's probably thinking, I know that I can't walk on water on my own. And for some of you, you have those same voices screaming in your head. You can't conquer that addiction on your own. You'll never break that, that, um, that, that trap, that uh, stranglehold of addiction on your own. Maybe you're a student, and maybe you've heard, you know, you'll never amount to anything on your own. Maybe you feel like as a disciple, you can't share your faith with your neighbors. You'll never know. You can't share it with your coworkers. You can't do that on your own. But what Peter realized and what we need to realize is he was not on his own. That as God speaks to every one of his disciples saying, step out of the boat, you know, they, the group, cried out in fear, but one guy steps out of the boat. And for some this morning, the answer to your storm is that you need to step out of the boat and simply trust God. To simply say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. It's not always comfortable nor convenient to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe for you, you're in the place where you're struggling with addiction and nobody knows. You think you've got it. Well, if you've got it, you would have done something about it already. And to step out of that comfort zone to that boat is simply to say, God, I'm going to tell someone. And maybe today that's what you need to do. Maybe you're like, you know what, I've got to tell someone I can't stop drinking. I try, but I can't. I can't stop, you know, smoking. I can't stop looking at porn on the internet. I can't, whatever it is. I can't stop. Maybe you've got to step out of the boat and say, listen, I'm tired of the storm. I believe there's freedom. I'm going to take a step. Maybe for you, you've got to talk to somebody about your marriage. you at church. You smile. Everything looks great. You've got everybody fooled, but inside you're dying. And maybe you've got to invite someone in. You're like, I don't want anybody to know about us. He wants you to be known for the sake of your marriage being saved. Maybe your finances are just totally screwed up. Maybe you're so far in debt and you're just like, I don't want anybody to know. I'll just keep buying more stuff so they don't know that I really can't afford any of the stuff that I have. Maybe you got to take a step out of that comfort zone of what you think it is to say, you know what, i got to invite someone else in. Maybe there's a spot of where you say, you know, you've been just kind of doing life all on your own, where you just got to step out and say, Jesus, I'm going to really follow you. I know that that means I might have to give up some friends. I know that, might, that means I'm going to have to give up some of the things I'm doing. But God, I'm tired of the storm. And for some this morning, that may be the very thing that today you decide I'm going to join a small group or I'm going to join a Bible study or a youth group or an accountability group or I'm going to do something. And guess what happened? When Peter stepped out of the boat, he walked on water. See, some of you think you're in a huge storm, but you're possibly on the verge of something, the greatest thing that God's ever done in your life. And I don't know who that is this morning, and that's why I said I felt strange sharing this because I wasn't sure exactly what this was for, but I believe it's for someone here this morning. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And as Peter stepped out of the boat, we realize the rest of the story in verse 30. It says, when Peter saw the strong winds and the waves, when his eyes got off of Jesus and onto the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. And he said, save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. <laughs> I love that. And then he says to him, you have so little faith. And he says to him, you know, why did you doubt me? Sometimes we read that and we think, you know, Jesus is like, come on, Peter, you got so little faith. What's wrong with you? You should have been, well, you know, why did you sink? And I think we see it from that perspective. But Jesus wasn't saying that. He's like, Peter, you got a little faith. Did you realize it? You just walked on water. How many realize it takes some tr serious trust in God to walk on water? No, go try it. <laughs> it takes some serious trust to walk on water. And for some, you think, you know what, I'm stepping out of the boat, and I don't know how this is going to go. Don't worry, because he's with you. And as you cry out to him, 
he's, he's right there. Immediately, he reaches out to save Peter. It says in this, then, then uh, when they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. How powerful is that, too? As they got back in, the, 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 the storm was over just in that moment. Jesus could have ended that storm at any point. But it was into this, this point where Peter just saying, I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust you that he sees the storm is over. It says, then the disciples worshipped him. And they said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. I've seen that so many times in life when people reach out and trust God that it actually results in this realization of how great God is. That living a life of worship, living a life of living out your faith becomes just that much easier. Jesus said, serving the Father is like my food and my drink. It, it's, it's exhilarating. How you start walking out of the boat is how you keep walking, keeping your eyes on Jesus. You know, living out your faith, this call to make disciples, it's not easy and it's not convenient. Can I tell you something that you might, you might as a disciple, you might have to break up with the, with the guy that you're dating because he's pressuring you into compromise because you're a disciple. It's not going to be easy. You might have to spend a little less on you at Walmart because God's putting on your heart to give a little bit more away to those who don't have it. Ah, as a disciple, you might have to spend time on the phone at midnight praying with a friend. You're like, oh, we've prayed about this a hundred times. You know, I just, I can't. But as a disciple, you're like, you know what? I'm going to love my brother, and I'm going to walk with him through what he's going through. Maybe for you, you got to walk out forgiveness when you just want to get even. He calls you as a disciple to say, you know what? Not because I feel like it, but because I follow you, Jesus. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to forgive. Matthew tells the story of Peter. And uh, he also tells the story of Peter later having this epic moment where we talked about a couple of weeks ago where Peter recognizes who Jesus is. And Jesus says, Peter, you, you knew, you realized that I'm the son of God, I'm the Messiah. He says, I'm going to build my church with people like you, people who understand that. And I think you see these amazing moments. But what I realized is that even though some of them had far to go, God wasn't done with them yet, and he took them through. And I want to share one last story of Peter. And it's the rest of it's a couple other guys who give us the insight into it. Luke, if you turn to Luke chapter 22, this was on the very night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. And Luke, Luke is a guy, he wasn't an eyewitness, but he hung around with all the eyewitnesses. And he says, hey, tell me the stories of Jesus. Tell me what happened, and I'll write it down. And then he would go and ask others and say, hey, what did you guys think? And so he wrote this down. Verse 31, he says this, Simon this is the night that Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's just with his 12 disciples. He says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. The enemy's going to attack each and every person. He is in our lives all the time. Realize, sometimes you think, oh, God's the one doing stuff to me. You forget that you have an enemy. And he'd love to ruin your life and then make it look like God's the one doing it. But he says, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But he says, Jesus says, but I pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. I'm praying for you because that your faith would not fail, that you would not quit. And Simon has no idea what's going to happen. Peter has no idea. He says, so when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. And you can read the account of how that went, where first there's a servant girl, and then a couple others say, you know, you, you, you look like a guy who's been with Jesus. And he's like, I don't know the man. Verse 60. It says the end of the story is the last person said, I think you've been with Jesus. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he's still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned to Peter. And suddenly the, word, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times you even know me. And Peter left that courtyard weeping bitterly. See, sometimes we don't realize that when we hear that story, that Jesus and Peter were within earshot of one another. That Peter's right there 
close enough to see his best friend being, you know, um, uh, abused, really, right in front of his face, standing there, he's on trial, and Peter's right there. He's like, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. And then to feel Jesus' eyes as their eyes meet at the last time as they hear the rooster crow, to realize that, that thought, oh, no, you know, uh, what have I done? What have I done? I've denied. I've been ashamed of Christ. And to run out. And for some of you here this morning, maybe you feel just like Peter. You feel like Jesus is looking at you with eyes of condemnation, eyes of of guilt, eyes that are saying, you know what? You let me down. You let me down again. Can I tell you that that's not what his eyes say and it's not what his voice says? Can I tell you the enemy would say, you know, you're letting him down? Jesus would simply say to you, you can't let me down because you're not holding me up. I've got you not the other way around. When things go south, I've got you. You might feel like maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've, you've you know, whether denied Christ, not maybe vocally said, hey, I've got nothing to do with him, but maybe you've just never shared it. There's people who said, you know what, I, I, I have a faith, but it's, it's personal. To me, that means I have a faith that doesn't exist. That the, to, to be able to share, as we learned last week, that he's called us to share the good news and share the truth of who he is. And maybe you feel like you're here and you've messed up too big and you're like, I don't know that I could ever. I'm, a, I'm ashamed of the fact uh, of, uh, that I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't want anybody to know that that's who I am. Can I tell you how this story ends? John, the last guy to finish, he, he writes the end of this story and it's incredibly powerful. John chapter 21. John's another eyewitness. He was there at this moment. And I just love, I just want to read it to you. In verse four, it says this, at dawn. So Jesus, had, just for timing, Jesus had died he rose from the dead. The disciples had known he was risen from the dead. They hadn't seen him in a little bit. And they went back to fishing. They didn't know what they were supposed to do, so they're going back fishing. And, and they're in a boat, and Peter has, uh, it's been, he hasn't really had a chance to chat with Jesus about this. And it says this, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was, because it's dawn. You can't see things at that time. Uh, anyways, he goes out, he says, he called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? And he says, no, they replied. Then he tells them, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some, which is strange, right? Because these are fishermen. They know if you haven't caught anything, you're not going to catch anything on the other side of the boat. But he says, you know what, I'll, I'll, they'll do that. And so they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7 says, when the disciple Jesus loved, who's the one writing this, that's John, uh, he, says, he says to Peter, it's the Lord. Obviously, it's the Lord. And so when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. He jumped into the water and he headed ashore. The others stayed with the boat and they pulled the loaded net to shore for they were only about 100 yards away from shore at that point. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. You know, the smell wafting over the calm waters with some bread. For those who are on the trip, remember that? It's like, oh man, it's awesome. Can you smell it? Can you picture it? That's what's happening. And Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard. He dragged the net to shore. They counted the fish. There were 153 large fish in it, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And none of the disciples dared ask him, hey, who are you? They're like, man, we know you died. (laughs) Who are you? They knew that it was Jesus. They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And here's where the story takes an interesting turn. This was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And what we don't often see in the English translations of this is that they use different words. Jesus says, Simon, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? Are you you all in in following me, Peter? Do you love me like that? And Peter says, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he changes the word. He says, yes, Lord, you know we're buddies. You know we're friends. You, you know I'm there for you. He wasn't. He wasn't in the last time that they had been together. He, he was in that spot where he had denied Christ and run off. He's like, no, you know, you know I love you. Jesus told him, then feed my lambs. Then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Are you all in, Simon? And the Lord said, uh, he says, yes, Lord. Peter said, you know that we're friends. You know that we're buddies. You know that I'm, I'm here for you. And he says, well, then take care of my sheep. And then it says the thing, the third time, three times denied, three times asked the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I'm all in. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. And he says, I tell you the truth, that Peter, when you're young, you're able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But you're, when you're old, you stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And it says in verse 19 that Jesus said to, to let him know by what kind of death that he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. And as we close today, you know, I see a lot in this last story about Peter, but I see a lot in the story about Jesus, that Jesus restores Peter, that no matter how much you think, you know, he may have let him down or that you might feel like you've been in that spot, no matter the fact that Peter felt like he was ashamed of Jesus, Jesus hadn't given up on him. He, and and the, the powerful part of it is he said, I still have a mission for you. You know, you may have lived life like this so far, but I've still got a mission for you. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to strengthen your brothers. I want you to disciple others. And above all, I want you to follow me. Follow me. I love Peter's response. We see it earlier in the thing, even before Jesus has this conversation with him, when he knows it's the Lord, when he senses on the inside, hey, that's the Lord. That's the Lord that's uh, uh, on the beach right there. Peter just jumps in. You see him already living out, I'm all in. Jumps into the water, swims there. The guys are like, hey, we got the best catch we've ever had. We've got the most money we're ever going to make. He's like, I don't need any of that. i got to be where Jesus is. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, he's saying the same thing to us. Be where Jesus is. I, wanna, I, I don't want to be distracted by anything else. I want to be doing what Jesus is doing. For so, so, many, so many times people are praying, God, bless what I'm doing. God, please bless what I'm doing. And he's saying, listen, would you just do what I'm blessing and, and it's going to go better for you? Find out what I'm blessing and do that. So many are praying, God, I, I, want, you to, I want you to do something for me. He's like, I already did. He says, if you would seek that, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, all the other stuff's going to happen in your life. And we see Peter. In the book of Acts and throughout the end of his life, this amazing preacher, this one who's changing the world, he didn't start out that way, which is great hope for us. That no matter where you find yourself this morning, God's not done on the journey with you yet. And I encourage you to keep stepping. For some, it's stepping out of the boat. For some, it's saying, you know what? <laughs> I am going to get serious about following Christ. The world can know, everybody can know, because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And Paul said it this way in Romans 1, our last verse today. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. Why? Because that's the power of God, saving everyone who believes. Saves the Jews, saves the Gentile. It doesn't matter who you are. The good news of what Jesus did has the power to save. It says in verse 17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. God does it. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. We, God does it and we trust it. And as the scriptures say, it's through faith or it's through trust that a righteous person has, has life. This morning, when Jesus said to his early disciples, 
Come follow me. He's saying the same thing to us. There's no difference in the disciples. It looks different because we've created churches of rows where people try not to fall asleep while some guy talks to them for an hour. And it wasn't. It was 35 minutes. <laughs> but that's what we've had. That's, that's what somehow what church has become. That's not how we started. I love that this works. I love that, you know, I have the opportunity to do this. I love the celebratory atmosphere of this, but this is not the design. Not on its own. He said, you know what I want? I I don't want my, my presence limited to temples anymore, not to buildings. It's in you. Would you take it out to the world? The world needs to see the presence of Jesus through our lives. He's calling us to be intentional, to follow him and be disciples, not just Christian. To follow, to study so that we're ready for the test. And to, to, to make disciples, he's building the church to find out what he's doing and do that, to make other disciples. So my question for you this morning is this, will you answer that call? I'm asking it to myself as, to, as much to any of you. I believe this is what he's challenging my life to be, is that, you know, that to live out my faith in a much greater way. I, I'm inspired by my wife. Um, the other day she was out walking. Our, we, we were babysitting someone's dog. And so she had to take it for a walk. And, and I know, don't, don't do that. It's really, oh, anyways. So she's, she's out for a walk and the neighbor lady just stops and they're chatting. And all of a sudden she just says, I just found out that I have lung cancer. And for half an hour they sat there chatting. She's like, I don't know what it is about you guys, but I just feel like I can share my whole life story with you. And Beth invited her to church and said, we're going to be praying for you. Let's walk this journey together. And, and it's just, you know, one of those things of saying, you know, I could have said, oh, you know, it's kind of sucky and walking on. But realizing there's opportunity to share the hope that we have. And you got students that you're going to see in school this year. Students, I challenge you. You know, maybe like, oh, no, I, I can't tell people in my school that I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. They're, they're not going to like me. I encourage you to be intentional about being a follower of Jesus this year for their sake. It may not be easy to be a follower of Jesus, but I can tell you, you step out of the boat, it's going to be the best year, the best year for the kingdom that you've experienced. Maybe for you to share with your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, parents, or children. Maybe it's these conversations that have to happen. Will you be intentional this year about being a disciple, or will you just settle for being a Christian? If Christianity is boring, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. So this morning is the same as with Jesus. He said a word out to a them, to a whole crowd, looking for one individual to respond. For those guys, it was Peter. Who is it today? Who's it going to be to say, you know what, Jesus, yeah, I'm going to take you at your word. Let's do this. Let's do this. I don't care what happens. I want to serve, live my life with you and for you. I want to be the disciple that you've called me to be. Pray, God, make me more like Jesse. Today I pray, God, make me more like Peter. Help me step out of the boat and walk out in obedience to you that the world might see that you're alive. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's challenging. Thank you that you haven't given us up on us. (laughs) Uh, That's the work that you've started in us. You're completing and you're finishing. Holy Spirit, thank you that you take the word and and, uh, help translate it into each individual life and situation that it's just that powerful. Pray that every person here this morning would, would know what it was that you desired to speak to them and that they would take you at your word and step that out in the situations that they're facing in their life. Father, thank you for the truth of it, that you are always with us, that no matter where we go, we're taking the presence of Jesus into that place. Help us to shine bright for you this week. May people see you and see the hope and see the joy and above all, see salvation in and through your powerful name. Thank you. It's in your name for your glory that we go. Amen.